Welcome to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast, where Pastor Jeff Cranston, along with our host, Jen Denton, will discuss biblical theology in an understandable way. You'll discover how to apply biblical truth to your life. Thanks for joining us at the table. Let's get started. Hello again, Kitchen Table Theology community. Welcome to episode 83. 83. Wow. It's Time flies. It does. When you're in a pandemic and doing a podcast. I'm as much fun as we are. <laughs> I'm Pastor Jeff Cranston. And you are? I am Jen Denton. <laughs> and this is Kitchen Table Theology, where we exist to promote biblical theology, rooted and grounded in God's Word, the Bible. And we agree with Dr. Mark Dever, who said God's Word has always been his chosen instrument to create, convict, convert, and conform his people. Today's podcast is brought to you by Pastor Jeff's most recent book, Your Greatest Adventure. It makes a wonderful gift for a new believer and contains two chapters about the topics that we're going to cover in the next three podcasts. So head on over to Amazon and order it today. I believe we also found that you can get it on walmart.com. Yes, we, I was never so proud. Is that I'm, true? The, the ultimate would be if Waffle House carried it, oh then I my, would be. Well, we'll work on that this year. I think on Walmart.com, I think it's an ebook. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. some people prefer that. Your so. Greatest Adventure. Your Greatest Adventure. Well, as we jump into today's podcast, we're going to begin a three-part mini-series at, on... At least three parts. At least three parts. We got into this and realized there was a lot more to cover. But this series is going to be on the ordinances of the church. Baptism in two parts, and then at least one part on yeah. communion. We'll see. Two wonderful practices. Jesus left his church, but... There's so much confusion and disagreement among Christians regarding both of these things. There is. And hello again, Kitchen Table Theology community. Uh, If you haven't been able to figure it out yet, Jen and I are recording this in the morning. And thus, the uh, I don't know if all the coffee's kicked in yet, but I've got my Southern Pecan here, hot, (laughs) fresh, uh, in my Kitchen Table Theology mug, which is a reminder, if you hit 12 out of 12 on our Theology podcast, two or three or four podcasts ago, let us know. We'll send you one of those one of those out. So yeah, Jen, we're going to take a look at both of these ordinances, uh, Lord's Supper or Communion, uh, Lord's Supper and Baptism. And, and as you said, they both have engendered so much confusion and discord among Christians which is funny, but it's not funny, because these are things meant to unite and not divide, and yet we can't seem to agree on them. Mm-hmm. Well, let's jump right in and get some clarification and begin with this question. We're calling these two things ordinances of the church. Most of us, when we hear the word ordinance, we think about laws or military weaponry, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm sure our usage of ordinance certainly can't mean those types of things. Ammunition. and Ammunition. Yeah. And <laughs> No, yeah, you're you're right. It's a it's a word we seldom use, and when we do, we don't use it as we will use it in these podcasts. And right out of the gate here, we are into our first disagreement. Mm. So we're talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper here for just a second, the two ordinances. So the Roman Catholic Church and many mainline Protestant churches refer to communion and baptism as sacraments. Mm. The Roman Catholic Church teaches that the sacraments in themselves convey grace to people, even without those same people requiring faith in Christ to participate in them, that they of themselves impart grace to 
believers and unbelievers alike. Some Protestants, especially Baptists, have refused to refer to baptism and communion as sacraments. They have preferred the word ordinances instead. And that's thought to be an appropriate term because baptism and communion were ordained by Christ. So our, when we use the word ordinances, the, the root of that uh, in, in many believers' minds is because they have been ordained. So the word ordained. Most evangelical churches prefer to use the word ordinances. Mm-hmm. However, there are other Protestants, such as Anglicans, Episcopalians, Lutherans, those in the more Reformed traditions, often use the word sacraments to refer to baptism and communion, but without endorsing the Roman Catholic view. So we're not even actually discussing baptism yet, and there's already disagreement on what mm-hmm. to call it, ordinances or sacraments. So does it matter? I think when we when we previewed this idea, I said tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it that close or does it matter? Is there a distinct difference? Well, I think it matters, and that's a good question because this, this is a very sort of thing that puts people off in talking about theology. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, you're, y'all are straining at gnats. Who cares what you call it? Well, sometimes theolog- uh, theologians make mountains out of molehills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we all do. Names and terms, though, are always important, but since Protestants use both words, ordinances, sacraments, and clearly explain what they mean when they use those words, the argument isn't really a theological one then, it's just a matter of defining an English word. So if Mm -hmm. you're going to clearly explain what you mean by the terms that you use, Mm -hmm. I don't think it makes any difference, quite frankly, whether we refer to communion and baptism as sacraments or ordinances, mm-hmm. but it all comes down into how we define them. Mm-hmm. So let's just establish a, a what do they call it? A decipher or a key or what, some uh, a reference point okay. that we're going to use. Right. So kitchen table theologians, because Pastor Jeff and I are both from similar traditions, we're going to refer to them. You as can say the ordinances. word Baptist. <laughs> well, it's all right. <laughs> I have I have my Church of God background too, so I gotta. I you gotta know, we've never me. we've never delved into that. We haven't. Yeah. So you got a little Pentecostal in you, you think? Well, it's not that Church of God. It's a oh, it's the church other of Church. Of God. It's the other Church of God. <laughs> See, there's so many things that we could talk about. All these little. Nuances. I know. I've been I've been thinking <laughs> post 100 podcasts. Should uh-huh. we keep going? Uh, and kitchen table, kitchen table theologians. Mm-hmm. If you think Jen and I should continue this, uh, please let us know. Has anyone answered that question yet? By the way, we threw it out to him, but I don't know if anybody's answered. <laughs> uh, n- n- not really. So, which, which, maybe then maybe we have our answer. answer in and of itself. <laughs> um, well, but there's gonna... so much we could do because we could talk about denominations. We sure. could talk about Reformed theology versus. Uh, dispensational theology. There's all kind of rabbit trails we can run down. Holiness in the holiness movement. But yeah, the holiness movement. The, mm-hmm. What what type of church of God you were in compared <laughs> to the other type of church? Yes. And, a, anyway, but we have seriously digressed. We have. So let's get back on track. So just so we know, we're going to be talking about baptism and communion as ordinances. But if you want to refer to them as sacraments, that's cool too. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Jeff, as we said a minute ago, we're going to have his 
go back historically. And today, strongly different viewpoints among evangelicals regarding the topic of baptism. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways to people view it. Sure. So are these disagreements of enough importance that we would be willing to break fellowship with another Christian over it? Because you said they're meant to unify. So if there's disagreement yeah. there, where, where does that line drawn? Yeah, well, Jen, I'm just speaking for myself uh, and while I believe baptism is a majorly important topic mm-hmm. and practice within the church, I don't think the mode that we choose to baptize people should be the basis of division among people who are genuinely Christians. And, I, and I'm sure not everyone hearing me say that right now will agree with me, mm-hmm. especially some of my Baptist friends. <laughs> but a- after all, you know, whole denominations have sprung up simply because of disagreement on the modes of baptism. And by mode, I mean the way we baptize people. Mm-hmm. And, and I have very good friends in ministry who certainly don't practice baptism the way that I do, mm-hmm. but we maintain our Christian brotherhood nevertheless. For sure. So let's move ahead now, and let's talk for a minute about about the importance of baptism. We know it's important in the New Testament, but why exactly? Well, let's begin by defining it a little bit. Baptism is intended to be an initial act of obedience to Christ. And please hear that, an initial Mm -hmm. act, like the first thing you do once you have come to faith in Christ, your next step immediately should be to be baptized. Mm -hmm. And yet to this day, I meet gobs of Christians who have never been baptized. So it's supposed to be your initial act of obedience to Jesus. Baptism is also an illustration of Christ's death and burial Mm -hmm. and resurrection. It's meant to be a public declaration of faith in Christ. It's meant to be a, a, a step of identification with him. It's meant to be a proclamation of desire to follow him. I think there are a few really good reasons why baptism is important. And first and foremost is that Jesus Christ was baptized. He, he was baptized. Now, his baptism is not what we know as Christian baptism today. Nevertheless, there exists a sense in which we follow the Lord when we are baptized. Secondly, Jesus commanded us to be baptized. That, that was a command, not a suggestion. And it wasn't only for his 12 disciples, but it was for all of his followers. Another reason baptism is important is that we see the importance of baptism to those who were in the early church. As you read through the book of Acts, there is never any indication, no conception actually, of a believer in Jesus not being baptized. And I think finally, the writer of the book of Hebrews in the first two verses of chapter 6 tells us, he says baptism is a foundational truth of the Christian faith. And earlier you used the word mode, the mode of baptism. What do you mean by that? Yeah, there's another word we don't mode. use very. Yeah, mode is M-O-D-E, mm-hmm. and it simply means a way, a manner, a method. Okay, so you're talking about then how we baptize, as in some churches baptize by immersion, where the person goes completely under the water. Other churches baptize by pouring out or sprinkling. So... Let's then talk about the actual practice of baptism. How was baptism carried out, and what was the mode in the New Testament? Yeah, and, and thus more questions, and who, the answers of which lead to division <laughs> within the churches. 
Um, let me preface what I'm about to say by again reiterating that many wonderful, good Christian people who love Jesus disagree with me about this. I advocate a baptistic mode of baptism, and by that I mean that baptism, I believe, is appropriately administered only to those who give a believable profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe the Bible shows us that that in the New Testament. You know, the, the person being baptized uh, was immersed. Uh, the New Testament shows us that that, that that immersion put the person completely under the water, and then they were brought back up again out of the water. Baptism, I, I believe, baptism in the New Testament was practiced, the mode of baptism was by immersion. And what evidence do we have for that? Well, we you just begin by defining the Greek word baptizo in, in the New Testament. And that word defined means to plunge, to dip, or to immerse. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was, th- this is commonly recognized, uh, the, the standard meaning of the term in the Greek, uh, Greek literature, both inside and outside of the Bible. So the, the Bible used it in that way. Secular Greek literature of the day used it that way. And you see it in secular Greek literature, that, that word being used when a garment was being dyed. So if you're going to dye mm-hmm. a garment, what do you have to do? It's You've got to immerse it. Mm-hmm. And so the garment would be, quote unquote, baptized into the dye by being fully immersed. Secondly, uh, the word baptism carries the sense of immersion um, when, when we see throughout the New Testament several passages. Mark 1. We, we find people being baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. Uh, the Greek text says in the river, not beside it or by it or near it. Mark also tells us that when Jesus had been baptized in Mark 1, he came up out of the water. The Greek text specifies that he came out of the water, not that he came away from the water, let's say, if he was standing on the shore. The fact that John and Jesus went into the river and came up out of it strongly suggests immersion, since sprinkling or pouring of water could much more readily have been done standing beside the river, particularly because multitudes of people were coming for baptism. John tells us in his gospel that John the Baptist was, quote, baptizing at Anon near Salim because the water was plentiful there. That's in John 3.23. Again, it wouldn't take plentiful water to baptize mm-hmm. people by sprinkling, but it would take plentiful, much, you know, much water to baptize by immersion. And, and perhaps most importantly, think about the symbolism of baptism by immersion. Mm-hmm. That portrays the union we have with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and that seems to require baptism by immersion. Paul told the Colossians, you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Mm-hmm. The truth is that, that that truth is clearly symbolized in baptism by immersion. The person being baptized goes down under the water, and that's a picture of going down in the grave and being buried, and then coming up out of the water is a picture of being raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. So Baptism very clearly, immersion baptism, very clearly pictures death to one's way of life and rising to a new kind of life in Christ. 
Baptism, I, I believe, by sprinkling or pouring, simply misses all of that symbolism. Mm -hmm. not, not to mention the fact that the Greek language that the New Testament is written in has really good words for sprinkle and really good words for pour, and they are never used in the Bible for baptism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's done with intention. But yet, Christians all around the world baptize using all three modes of baptism. And I feel like that's a good place to stop in this part of our podcast on baptism. So next time, we'll dive into each of those three modes and give kind of a thumbnail sketch on what How those we look baptize, like. why we baptize that way, that sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the arguments that people who sprinkle baptism, pour baptize, mm -hmm. what where they get that from where they get that from well once again thanks so much for listening to today's podcast if you enjoyed this episode take a moment or two and leave us a review that way more kitchen table theologians like you can discover us it only takes about 60 seconds and it truly does make a difference and we love reading your reviews we've got one to share with you today you can't wait to say this name i can't cat mom 55 <laughs> well cat underscore mom 55 <laughs> wrote a review and said i love how pastor jeff and jen are diving into topics that we just don't talk about every day such a great way to learn more about theology in an easy to understand format well thanks cat mom that's why we're doing what we're doing and you're a dog person so you're I'm a dog mom where, where are your dog people I reviews do. at well i should have you i should have worn i actually have a hat that says dog mom i should have worn that to record today's podcast i can't i'm, I'm so disappointed <laughs> that you didn't i know i love a good theme too well thanks again cat mom and also please recommend this podcast to your friends and family and do share it on social media again today's podcast was brought to you by pastor jeff's most recent book your greatest adventure it makes a wonderful gift and we're coming up as we film this podcast on that season but it makes a wonderful gift for any new believer at any season of life and contains an entire chapter on this topic of baptism so head on over to amazon and order your copy today as we leave you as always we want to encourage you to remember that the real power of theology is not just knowing it but applying it. See you next time. You've been listening to the Kitchen Table Theology Podcast with Jen Denton and Pastor Jeff Cranston. Join us next time for more insights into biblical truth. If you'd like to know more on today's topic, you can check out the show notes at jeffcranston.com. You can also email us at pastorjeff at lowcountrycc.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes? We deeply appreciate your help in getting the word out. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or in your favorite podcasting app to continue this journey with us as we learn about and apply God's Word to our lives. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here at Kitchen Table Theology.